It's Odeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 6. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey guys, just a quick reminder here. If you like what we're doing on the show, go to our website at odeshi.com and sign up for the book giveaway. We're giving out two books to launch the show. The first one is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And the second one is Choose Yourself by James Altucher. So you know what to do over there. Sign up with your email address. And secondly, don't forget to share the podcast with your friends, your families, and your loved ones. By distributing them on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. And now, a quick word from our sponsors before we get on with the rest of the show. Are you running out of food and need to run to the store for supplies? Is your baby still crying because his favorite milk is out of stock at the supermarket? Well, don't fret. Supermart NG is here to save the day. Supermart NG is Nigeria's leading online grocery store. All you have to do is shop at their site and a team of personal shoppers will package and deliver the goods to your doorstep within three hours of placing an order. No more six-hour traffic jams. Spend more quality time with your family by shopping at Supermart NG. That's S-U-P-E-R-M-A-R-T. See you there. Good morning and welcome to the show. I have a very, very special guest on the show today. His name is Rafael Efedo. He's the co-founder of Supermart.ng, the leading online grocery store in Nigeria. Prior to that, he was the co-founder of Jumia Nigeria, Nigeria's largest e-commerce store, where he helped, along with his co-founder, to oversee the company's rapid growth from a startup team of 10 to 450 people in roughly two years. Prior to Raphael's entrepreneurial journey, he's worked with several companies, Monster.com, Goldman Sachs, and Notoria Chemicals. He's a Harvard MBA, and he's come to share his experiences of entrepreneurship in Nigeria and just in general. So, Raphael, welcome to the show. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Thank you very much for having me. Um, uh, so I think you, you nailed my background pretty much uh, spot on. Um, uh, I, uh, I went to high school in Accra in Ghana, and then I moved to the Czech Republic to do a bachelor's and a master's in computer science and engineering. I did that, and I moved to Switzerland to do a quick master's in, um, it was almost like an MBA in marketing. And then I, I worked, I did MBA in marketing while working at Monster. And then, and then uh, I, uh, I, after about, um, a while in Monster, I realized I felt I had reached um, the height of my career in Europe. I felt at a certain point I would uh, find myself um, uh, waiting in roles for longer than I, will, I, was, I was willing to tolerate to be able to move to the next level. At the same time, I was feeling the urge to move to a new place um, uh, for that reason. So I did move to the States to do my MBA. I think the thinking there was that I'll move to the States, do my MBA, and then be able to move into a role um, somewhere in the States where I thought technology was at, at, the, uh, at, the, at the edge. Um, but but I, did, I got to the States, realized very quickly that there wasn't much I could do there to add real meaning. And so I decided to come back to the continent of Africa, which, uh, which I did travel across the continent, saw different countries, 
And then I landed in Nigeria. And as soon as I landed in Lagos, I knew immediately that I'd found home. So that was my journey, really. I mean, and I moved to Lagos immediately after um, uh, to, to start a career here, which I did with Notori. Did that for about 16 months and decided that it was time for me to jump into, into the entrepreneurial waters. And I did that with my first company, then Jumia, and then now um, Supermax. Oh, okay. Thank you, Rafa. So let's talk about Jumia a little bit. How did that idea come about? So I, was, I mentioned earlier, I started a company, uh, which was, it was a group buying um, uh, business. So that was just, just those were the days of um, a Groupon. Okay. Groupon started a couple of months earlier. I looked at the Groupon concept and looked at Lagos and said, this should work in Lagos. It should work in Lagos because e-commerce was new, um, but the model inherently entices customers to shop because the, the products are being offered at deep discounts. And the merchants also didn't have to pay for marketing. They just had to offer products, and then, like, and then they'll get customers. So I thought it would work in Lagos. And I thought it was a very good first step to e-commerce in Nigeria. Because if we tested this out, people will go online, buy online, have it delivered to them, pay um, for the products online. Then they, 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 they are ready. They prove that they are ready. They would have proven that they are ready for classic Amazon-type e-commerce. So that exactly is what I did for the better part of a year. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and then when about, just about when I was about to raise some more money, um, uh, that was, that was the, the discussion I had with my team from the very beginning. And we're building that as a segue to an Amazon-type model. Just about when I was about to raise uh, another round to, extend, to expand the, the, the plan, the junior guys, um, Rocket Internet, got in touch saying, look, we like what you're doing. So why don't we build a classic, classic Amazon type type business? I thought it made sense to go um, uh, with Rocket Internet because of the fact that they brought expertise um, of building these things from different markets. So at least the basics of building a classic Amazon type business model, at least we could get the expertise from them. They would focus a lot on localizing it, which is a challenge in itself. And that's the reason why we went with um, Rocket Internet. Okay. So you, out of the gate, starting your first company, you raised capital to get that off the ground? Uh, friends and family, yes. Friends and family, okay. And then Rocket Internet comes and says, hey, guys, we like what you're doing. Why don't you take over Jumia and start it in Nigeria? Rocket was, I mean, Rocket, if I understand the structure correctly, Rocket invested in Africa Internet Holdings, which is the company that supports um, several startups in Africa, right? Uh, it's a bit more complicated. Okay. We started from scratch. We totally started it from scratch. Okay. And uh, we started from scratch. And then from there, it morphed into Africa Internet Holdings. So the vision grew gradually. We started basically Kasua, Nigeria. Okay. And then okay. it morphed into something else. Oh, okay. So the whole structure did not exist when you guys started. You were basically okay. the first... Yes. Oh, wow, that's interesting. So talk about building Jumia. It seems like at that point in time, there was rapid growth for you guys. In two years, you went from a team of 10 to 450. Could you talk about some of the experiences at Jumia? Um, when, we started, when we started, we had to deal with um, uh, skepticism from customers, like I said. Um, uh, why should they... Uh, convincing them that they should pay for products online and then have it delivered to them 
that the internet is not all about 419. Um, uh, it basically people perpetuating fraud yes. uh, by by in, invariably was a, a form of advance payment. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, it would be advance payment for something. Oftentimes, it came in the form of money that needed to be moved out of Nigeria because the owner of the money is dead, and uh, and uh, and uh, due to political reasons, the, the the family's wealth is being like you know withheld in Nigeria, and there's a money in the bank account that needs to be moved. From one place to the other, and so quickly became a confidence fraud. Okay. The, the, the fraud that builds confidence in uh, in in uh, the person to be defrauded, okay. and then the person started like you know ad- advancing some money to be able to get the, the bigger money out, and then they found out later on that they've lost a significant pool of money, sum of money, um, uh, in bits and pieces. So that was really that was what really four one nine was, but it was perpetrated over the internet because yeah. that people got to reach people who they hadn't met. And so um, the internet quickly got this this perception that it was um, uh, the whole internet thing is all about um, this confidence fraud. Okay. Um, but, but but so we, we set out to actually um, allay these people's fears, and we set, rolled out cash on delivery, and uh, and then we went ahead and like you know pushed the markets and told people that you could actually trust this medium. And over time, they started trusting the medium. Then we had to sign suppliers. Um, we had to get all sorts of time to suppliers. We had to recruit people um, and build a team that would run the business. I remember nothing like this has been done before. So we literally had to teach the people everything. We had to teach people digital marketing. We had to teach people how to buy. Um, uh, there's never been really any organized retail um, uh, here. So you can imagine even buyers had to be taught how to buy warehouse folk had to be taught how to do retail warehousing. Delivery people had to be taught what customer service is. Customer service agents had to be taught what retail customer service is. We had to teach everything. And uh, we had to learn it ourselves and teach the people. So those were the early challenges. Over time, it became managing a rapidly growing business and its own challenges, managing the cash flow to make sure that you always had money uh, when, uh, when uh, it was needed, etc. Wow, and this was just roughly three years ago that you were teaching people how to buy, how to shop, how to warehouse, how to do basically everything on the internet. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. That's the last two years. Over the last two years, okay. So you do that, and your company is scaling up rapidly, growing, expanding across um, Nigeria. What, What were the initial... You've mentioned some of the skepticisms that customers had, but what were the initial successes that you saw after training people? I mean, at the end of the day, rapidly growing revenues um, uh, sort of like justify what we were doing, right? So you could justify what we're doing. Um, uh, Made us believe that what we're doing was heading in the right direction. So we could see the orders coming and people came and bought stuff, we delivered to them, and they came back again and bought again, and we could see it. Beyond that, you see the traffic situation in Lagos, and you know um, it's really the hotbed for, for e-commerce. And, uh, that people have to, for example, with what, what I'm doing now, which is grocery shopping, people have to actually spend up to six hours on a weekly basis uh, in traffic 
and they're doing their grocery shopping. So they spend about an hour going from, uh, from, uh, from their office or their house to the mall. It's like in traffic. In the mall itself, they spend about an hour. They spend about 20 minutes um, uh, finding parking space in the mall. Another 20 minutes at the till to just pay. And then they spend about 20 minutes, you know, getting their car and leaving the mall itself. Easily three hours is spent in that shop. Unfortunately, they still have to go to another shop before they fill their entire grocery basket. Okay, and this is happening almost on a weekly basis, six hours every week, literally. Wow. So you can imagine that, I mean, a, a business like what I'm doing now, for example, which is uh, supermart.ng, then is able to solve their problem because they go online, they place their order, and then immediately it's delivered to them. And then if they need to reorder, they just press, re- click your, reorder your basket, and within 10 minutes they're done with their grocery shopping for the week. And somebody goes ahead and picks and packs the product and delivers to their homes. You know what I mean? So you can realize that with, with, uh, with Jumia back in the day, we could see that we literally had this hotbed which, uh, for e-commerce because there were just infrastructural challenges yeah. that only e-commerce, e-commerce could, um, could uh, sidestep. You know what I mean? So uh, it was obvious that we were onto a good thing and heading in the right direction. Okay. So basically solved the time the problem of lost time and lost productivity. Now tell us, um, Raphael, this company is growing and scaling rapidly. This, that's Jumia. And then you realize what, that you wanted to start your own company? Because you left at a time when everything was exploding. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, you do, you do that for a while and you look around you and you can still see a lot that can be done. done. You can better now. You know, um, you understand the market better because, again, uh, nothing beats experience, nothing beats information. Yeah. And so I thought it was time um, for a new challenge. Um, and that's the reason why we went ahead and started Superman. Just like I articulated, people are spending so much time. Mm-hmm. In um, uh, with, with, so with classic Amazon-type uh, business um, uh, e-commerce, you put a product there, you make sure you have a wide enough assortment, and, uh, and then the hope is that people would always find what they need on the site and buy it. But, but but I wouldn't say it's a want. It's still a need. You need a phone. You need um uh, you need um you need you need clothes to wear, etc. But I think there's the groceries and everyday essentials are more of a need than uh, say a phone. If if you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. So you need to eat. You absolutely need to eat on a daily basis. You need to drink water on a daily basis. Um and uh, and you have to go do your grocery shopping. You can defer. You can defer. Buying a clothes, um, a piece of um, um, a t-shirt, for example, you can defer buying a phone, um, but you can't defer drinking water. You can't defer um, your everyday essentials. When you need medicine, you need medicine. So, seeing the challenges of um, uh, the infrastructural challenges in Nigeria broadly and in Lagos in particular, I thought it was time to just double down on grocery, uh, grocery, grocery shopping and delivery. Okay. And how are customers taking to your business right now? I think it's been phenomenal, to be honest. It's really been phenomenal. Um, um, what we've done is we've focused on solving the problem. We defined very clearly who the customer is, who's the working professional. Um, uh, and, okay. uh, so you've been a customer avatar? You could say so, yes. Okay. Could you share that with us, please? Um, so I don't, we just basically sat down and said, okay, whose problem are we trying to solve? Okay. Because the market is huge. Um, I was on uh, CNBC Africa recently, uh, where we actually um, uh, put out what we've actually found, which is the fact that um, uh, grocery shopping in Lagos alone is actually a $6 billion a month 
um, uh, um, uh, spend. Okay, so that's wow. what people are spending in Lagos. Lagos alone, I'm not talking about the rest of the country. Lagos alone, $6 billion every month. Okay, so now imagine... That um, is a, a huge market. It is, it is. Imagine a significant part of this, obviously. Or, or, or literally all of it has to be coming from people who are working because they have to make the money somehow. Yes. Now, uh, an even significant part of it will be coming from the formal... Uh, sector, which which uh, we, we decided to quantify the formal sector, and the people we're looking at are the people who um, wake up every day and go to work. Lagos people wake up around 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to get put together and then like you know, make their way to work. They get to the office around 7:30, 8:30, and uh, they stay in the office till 7, 8, 9 in some cases. These people are busy. They're busy because they're making money. They're busy because they're working. Now. They still have to spend about six hours doing their grocery shopping, like I articulated earlier. So you ask yourself, if I can save them the six hours, will they be happy? Of course, everybody will be happy. They rather like reading a book. You spend more time with your family, do whatever leisure activity you want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. So we built this service for these people, and then we made sure we customized the service to their needs. So grocery delivery is now done within a specific window that they choose because these people are busy. So you can't tell them, I'm going to bring the product to you um, on, on, on Thursday, so wait at home, and I'll bring it to you. Wait in the office. They need you to be able to tell them, between 12 and 3, I'll bring the product to you, or between 3 and 6, I'll bring the product to you, or between 6 and 9, I'll bring the product to you. We also made sure that we took the delivery windows into the evening, 6 and 9, for example, because of the fact that oftentimes these people want to get home and receive the product or receive the product just before they leave in the office. So they just drive quickly home with the product. So, so that is some of the things that we've built in. So we customize the service to the needs of these people. And because of that, I think we've seen um, a very good growth. So talk to us about the importance of having a co-founder. Because you co-founded this company with another gentleman, am I right? Yes, yes. So Bolohan Fagbure, um, Bolohan Fagbure, Myself and Tunde were actually the three people who started Jumia. So Bolohan, Fagbore, and I were there from day one. Okay. And, um, uh, so he was the chief operating officer of Jumia from uh, from day one. And uh, and uh, and when we were building this, I thought we've worked together, and and it's it, it's really a, a huge challenge building a business from nothing. Um, uh, and I'd rather share that challenge with somebody, be able to bounce off ideas with somebody. Be able to like you know um, uh, to, to 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 yeah mutually bounce off ideas um, uh, share the burden with somebody and that's the reason why I went ahead with uh, with with, with Bolohan, who I've, I've always worked very well with. I think it's important. I would always go for the co-founder approach because because you you have somebody who's able to challenge some of the things that you're thinking. You have a need to justify. Um, what you want to do to somebody. Um, and, and you share the company, you're able to also focus more. So you take a part of the company that you run, and he takes a part of the company that he runs, and then you're able to like, uh, get more synergy out of, uh, out of your, both your intellect and both of what you know, uh, also in what you know, and, uh, and, uh, and the amount of effort you can actually put in on a daily basis. I personally prefer the co-founder approach. Okay, that's great. So did you raise funding for this venture also, or it was bootstrapped? Um, uh, initially bootstrapped. Okay. I think, again, people, I've had people want to go raise funding before they get started. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, raising, if you believe in the idea, 
then push it as far as you can before you raise because the valuation also increases yes. with um, with um, with growth that you can actually demonstrate, right? Or traction that you can demonstrate. So I'll always advocate pushing it as far as you can before raising. That come to play, of course. Um, who control and and being able to defend the vision and be able to like to 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 execute on the vision of the founders, right? So you want to make sure you can you can hold on to that as much as possible. And that also comes with raising later rather than raising too early. Okay. So you pushed it as far as you could before you raised funding. Could you tell us about your first sale at Supermart.ng? Do you remember? Um, uh, I can't quite remember. So how did we do it? We just got started. We told friends and family, you know, it's a logistics play. Okay. Um, uh, so we told friends and family, we trained the people, we trained the shoppers, we trained the um, uh, delivery drivers, and then we placed some orders for friends and family so we could de- 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 deliver to them so they could actually critique the service so we get the feedback that was needed so our customers um, get a good experience. And once we started doing that, I think people told other people, people started placing orders. Um, so we we really have run supermarket on zero marketing. It's all been word of mouth growth, literally. Oh wow! <laughs> now yes, because the need is there. The need is there. Um, uh, yeah. So that I I do remember an order though. I mean I can't remember exactly the first order because okay. friends and family. I'm telling my friends, my colleagues are telling their friends, um, uh, and and that's how we grew. But I remember one order when a person came online and bought stuff for for I think. A thousand eight hundred US dollars, um, uh, just one order. And so we called and said, "Are you serious about this order?" I mean, we must have been serious because you pay upfront on supermarket. We don't do cash on delivery. Okay. For, for so credit card is straight up charged once the order comes in. Exactly, exactly, and it works. And no customer has had any issue whatsoever up until now. I mean, it really does work. The systems work better than people are willing to acknowledge or people realize. So this this guy placed an order for thousand eight hundred dollars, paid for it. And so it had to be a correct order, otherwise we'd not have been able to like pay for it. You'd not have gone ahead and paid for it, etc. But we called him. Said yes, I've heard so many good things about you guys. I'm just testing out the service. And so a thousand eight hundred dollar worth of a um, thousand eight hundred dollars worth of products were delivered to him within three hours. It was a very big test. Yes, yes, it was a big test. And he was happy with the service, I presume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, that's that's great. So, what 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 are some of the major challenges in the industry? Because I've heard a lot about um, technology entrepreneurs, e-commerce entrepreneurs in Africa, in Lagos in particular, talking about um, four major challenges they face, which is consumer confidence, payments, logistics, and capital. Could you maybe talk a little bit about those four issues, or? Any other specific issue that you face in your industry? Yes, second. Confidence, payments, logistics, and and capital raising funding, or just maybe any specific issues to your yeah. business. No, I think, again, the confidence thing is what cash on delivery set out to solve. Okay. Explained with that is there are a lot of inherent costs in cash on delivery, and the cost has to be swallowed by somebody. Okay. Uh, Could you talk about some of them? So, for example, for with cash on delivery, 
a lot of the customer is not is not bound to accept the product. So he can come online, place an order, you go buy the product, which oftentimes is what an e-commerce business is doing, and then uh, go to the customer to deliver, and then he tells you, I'm not available, I don't have money today, come tomorrow. They hardly tell you, I'm not, I'm not going to take the product. You try a couple of times, then you have to decide whether you continue trying or you stop and cancel the order. Okay, so that, but every time you try to do that, you would have incurred costs. And the worst case in some cases is that you would have actually also procured a product that you're unable to sell. So you're, you're building up inventory. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, uh, that has its own challenges. So cash and delivery is that. Um, uh, that but I think we've reached the point after a lot of work being, uh, which has been done over the last two years that the industry or industry participants have to say no to cash on delivery. But whether people, businesses do that or not really depends on the leaders of the business. Um, but we, for example, with Supermat have said no to cash on delivery. Again, I don't want to take fresh fish and run around the city looking for a buyer for it. That's right. Uh, so we, we collect our payments upfront, and it works perfectly well. It really does. Every now and then, every now in a long while, you hear a customer says, well, I'll, I, I'm not too sure I should do this because um, do you have cash on delivery? We say, no, we don't have cash on delivery. Said, well, um, I'm not too sure I should do this. How can you assure me that it will work? We're like, look here, we're here. You know where to find us. You know, I mean, you've heard about us. You can go to the website and write about us. We're credible people. Um, we, have, we have reputations to protect. So um, it's a decision that you have to make. And they do make the decision and pay up front. You know, okay. so I think that, 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 that is improving significantly. Confident um, now, hold on a second. To pause you here. So how much of this elimination of COD to and moving to credit card payment is a function of um, people knowing, liking, and trusting the reputation you have built in the industry and that of your co-founder? While we do have reputations, um, in, uh, which we've built over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I think Supermart exists for the customer okay. to a large extent as an entity on its own. Okay. Now, I don't think our average customer even knows who we are, okay. the people company. Okay. Within the community, within the entrepreneurial community, people know who we are, but the average customer, the mother of 35, I'm um, buying baby milk for, for, uh, to feed her baby doesn't think of super much within the context of Rafael and Bolohan. Okay. You know what I mean? So they just come there and look at the company, talk to the customer service agent, um, uh, and, and say, I'm going to take a try here because I, I think that, that these are credible people. They've seen um, articles written about us. They receive our newsletters, and uh, they've seen our Facebook page. They've seen our blog, etc. And those are the things that I think convince them. I really doubt if people... The average customer even knows about our connection or what we've done over the last two years. Okay. I think they just see a service that looks professional, feels professional, and then they give it a shot. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay, let's continue with some of the other challenges. Payments, again, I would say the payment infrastructure here is actually way more developed than people give it credit for. I mean, uh, in the States, it's not that easy to go online and transfer money from one bank account to another bank's account. Not, not within the same bank, um, but a different bank altogether. That's and right. value immediately. That's right. But I don't know if it's the same in the UK or not. I can't quite remember from my time there. I think when I was there, you still could not transfer money from one bank and see value in the next bank. Has it changed? 
Um, I'm I'm in New York, so it's the same way. So it hasn't really changed. I can't send money from uh, Wells Fargo to Bank of America and it to be there in five minutes. It takes yeah. a couple of days. Sure, sure. Well, in Lagos, you can. You send money from any bank to any bank. It's there the very second it was sent. In Nigeria, for that matter, yes. you can. Okay, it's there the very second it was sent. Online payment actually works. The systems are down every now and then, yes. They're not down. The system fails every now and then. So you could try to pay. It won't go through. Um, uh, and then you try the second time, it will go through. Uh, but if you try to transfer money from one bank account to the other, it will go through. You know? So we can talk about the fact that every now and then it fails. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that, that hides the fact that for the most part, it actually works. You know what I mean? So whether you choose to do cash on delivery because every now and then the payment gateway um, uh, will, will, uh, will fail before it, it, it go, uh, the payment goes through or not, then becomes a, ca- a case of leadership. Again, as Supermodel Engine, we've chosen to not do it, and people are paying online. Oh. So payment is not a challenge that we, we make it to be. It's a case of are you willing to just say, look, I want the e-commerce industry to thrive, um, but I guess it also customers don't understand the inherent cost with something like cash on delivery. Okay, okay, so they choose the easier option. I saw a tweet uh, from uh, from one of the tech co-founders recently, well, yesterday actually, which said that something along the lines of, to be honest, I only choose cash on delivery because it's easier to just click cash on delivery and move on than uh, to whip out my card and go pay online. And that's true. So when you offer cash on delivery, you force people to choose cash on delivery okay. rather than to pay online. Because, again, it's more convenient to just click the button, cash on delivery, and move on from that purchase, right? Yeah. Than, and, and proceed, and then, then we deliver it to and you pay. Then it is to remove your card, go to the payment gateway, enter the card details, enter your password, da 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 So then that, that difficulty forces people to choose cash on delivery. So payment is not is working way better than people... Um, I'll give you credit for logistics. Logistics is inherent in e-commerce. I won't see that as a challenge. I'll see that as part of business, right? I mean, so if you're chosen to build an e-commerce business, then you have to accept the fact that you have to deliver the product. Either that or you acquire the service of a company which focuses on uh, deliveries. Then you pay for the service. You know what I mean? So I don't see that as a challenge per se. It comes with the territory. Capital, well, capital is a challenge anywhere you look, to be honest. Um, uh, it's a challenge in Nigeria as much as it's in the United States. So if you have a good idea, and uh, then, then you have to back it up with a bit of work. If investors are looking for investable opportunities, naturally they, uh, they, they do diligence. Naturally, it's a lot of money they have to deploy. So naturally they're a bit, I'll say a bit hesitant, and they, they will look at the opportunity um, uh, thoroughly before they deploy capital. Of course, the entrepreneur is a bit more eager to see that capital de- deployed because you're very vested in, uh, in the opportunity and you believe in it and uh, in the vision that you're trying to execute on. So there's almost that mismatch in terms of, um, there's that gulf in terms of the willingness to deploy the capital. The, the entrepreneur wants to see it immediately. The, the investor is a bit hesitant and wants to see more traction. And that comes with the territory. That comes with in any market. Um, uh, so, so, so capital is a challenge. It's more of a challenge in Nigeria than it is elsewhere. But again, if you're able to build and get some traction, you will see that capital because there are investors out there looking for investable opportunities. Oh, okay. So you build and get traction and then invariably 
investors are looking to deploy capital will find you and put money to work with you. Exactly. Now, Rafael, let's take a quick minute to thank our sponsors before we get on with the rest of the show. Are you running out of food and need to run to the store for supplies? Is your baby still crying because his favorite milk is out of stock at the supermarket? Well, don't fret. Supermart NG is here to save the day. Supermart NG is Nigeria's leading online grocery store. All you have to do is shop at their site and a team of personal shoppers will package and deliver the goods to your doorstep within three hours of placing an order. No more six-hour traffic jams. Spend more quality time with your family by shopping at Supermart NG. That's S-U-P-E-R-M-A-R-T. NG. See you there. Looking to make secure and hassle-free transactions online? Want to take control of all your bills and be the master of your universe? Just Paga it. Paga is Nigeria's premier e-payment solution that makes it extremely easy to conclude transactions online. Whether it's paying your bills or online shopping, Paga has got you covered. Just Paga it. Go to mypaga.com. That's mypaga.com for more details. Your cash anytime, anywhere. Paga. Okay, so let's take a little bit of a step back and talk about Supermart some more. Um, could you talk about your month-on-month growth? This is we just finished our third month of operations. Okay. Uh, from month one to we've seen over hundred percent growth month on month but again this is the very early stages That's okay right. so so that this kind of growth rate makes sense when you have a product that i think the more interesting thing for us is the fact that all of this has been done on the back of zero marketing spend yes. okay that's that's really more interesting for us is the fact that the experience is so good that people talk about it the problem we're solving is such uh, it's a real problem for customers so we're not having to tell people about the fact that Spending six hours in, in traffic is not a good idea. Doing your grocery shopping is not a good idea. They know it themselves. If somebody is able to tell them that I use Supermart and it's good, they come on board and they try it out for themselves. Another very interesting thing is the repeat purchase rate. So with fashion, for example, you go back and buy again maybe once in three months. Um, uh, with, with general merchandise, easily once in four, five, six months, you buy a mobile phone once, once in a year or two. You buy a computer once in two, three years. Um, what else are you buying? You know what I mean? So um, uh, with, with general merchandise, easily once in, a, in four months to six months. With fashion, easily once in three months. Uh, with, with food and grocery store, it's literally every week. Okay. Most families, uh, some families would do a big shopping, which will last them almost two weeks. And then they do small, small shopping every maybe four, five, six, seven days. Um, so we see these kind of customers coming back, which, again, is the reason why we're seeing such growth. We focus a lot on the experience, and we believe that if we're able to provide a phenomenal customer experience, then we will grow. We believe that not only does the, the, do the people of Nigeria need world-class customer service, we believe that uh, when it comes to stuff like grocery shopping, groceries, and somebody who is going to show up, um, Always going to show up um, sweaty, um, or in a very carry in a, for the, for your food to be carried in a vehicle. That's most of petrol fuel. So our drivers are well trained. Um, to talk to the customer, the way the customer will appreciate. Our shoppers will um, are also well trained to be able to talk to the customer. They talk to the customer when they're picking the product, um, uh, and and the cars are inspected, for example, so that they all have air condition, that they smell well. All, all these things. 
um, the food is kept in like um, in, in refrigerated uh, packs. Exactly, refrigerated okay. to be able to to to, to keep them uh, fresh in transit. So all of these things are where we focus our attention to make sure that we provide a phenomenal experience to the customer. We believe if we do that, then the rest is really um, a matter of time. Oh, okay. So your main focus is more of on the softer aspects of delivering a quality service to customers so that once they see that the service is quality itself, then it's going to um, feed back into, you know, word of mouth marketing, which will feed back into more customers, which will feed back into more revenues and growth. So let's talk about scaling a little bit. Um, you're just in Lagos right now. What are your plans to expand into other cities and other states in Nigeria or the rest of West Africa? So I think um, um, one day, all things being equal, and hopefully we will do that. Okay. But Lagos is um, uh, the numbers. Is it 18 million people? Is it 20 million people? Is it 22 million people? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's a massive number okay. of people okay. in, uh, in Lagos. And so that's where we're focused now. Okay. Because you can also spread yourself too thin. Too thin, okay. You know, so we, we're focused really on making sure we serve our market and serve them well. When we are ready, we'll figure it out and move there. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing really is a people management play. We have personal shoppers. When you place an order behind the scene, what is happening is this. You place an order, a personal shopper starts picking the product for you. They pick the product to the order that you've placed. And if an item is not available in the store, they check with um, other personal shoppers in other stores to make sure that they can find it for you. Okay, so if, wait, hold on a second here. I think there's something we missed critically. You don't hold the inventory yourself. You partner no. with other stores that have the inventory. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's go on. Uh, I'm... Uh, so we partner with uh, stores that have the inventory. So you can place. So the way it works is this: you can place an order on Supermarket from multiple stores at the same time, and then pay. And once you're done paying, you select. Uh, before you're done paying, you select the delivery window that you want the product delivered in. And the first delivery window is three hours from the time we ordered. Okay. So once you're done doing that, um, once you're done doing that. The personal shoppers, an algorithm kicks in, which tells the personal shopper which orders to pick. Depending on your delivery window, the customer is then told to pick. If it's immediate, he picks immediately. If not, then he starts picking just when it's ready for it to be delivered to you. So the food is transported fresh. Oh, okay. So once that is done, um, if the item is not available, they check in other stores um, that we partner with because first and foremost, you want a particular product. If you want uh, maybe Jacob's Creek Chardonnay, you want Jacob's Creek Chardonnay, first and foremost. Secondly, really, you want it from a particular store. So if you can't find it in this particular store, we look at other stores, and if you can find it, we'll pick the item for you. If we can't find it at all, then we'll select the personal shopper has been taught um, what, what, what a good replacement will be. So, for example, if it's Jacob's Creek Chardonnay, he's going to look for maybe a Mapu Chardonnay, if uh, he can find that, he find a particular the particular grape for you of a different brand, then he'll find a different type of grape, but um, but but with the same brand that you ordered. And if not, you find something else. And then he's gonna get in touch with you via text message or phone uh, on the phone, depending on the number of items that are not available. And uh, and and help uh, you help him make the decision for you. Okay, so that what you're going to get at the end of the day is what exactly you want, because if you had walked into the store yourself, you would have made that um, replacement decision. 
Okay. So we're able to help you. We carry you along while we make the decision for you. And then the driver brings the product and consolidates all the orders coming from the various stores that you ordered from and then brings it to you. And all of this happens within three hours and delivered to you wherever you are in Lagos is within three hours after you finish shopping. Was it easy to convince your partners to work with you on this venture or were they thinking that your operation is going to cannibalize their sales? Sure, sure. Um, I think they see the value that we provide to them, right? I okay. mean, they make sales. We're not cannibalizing their sales in the store at all. Okay. But we're actually providing them incremental revenues. Okay. okay so um, uh, there are people who will not be able to make it to the store. Those are the people we're taking the products to. Okay, so um, you're helping them with the lost re- potential lost revenue. Exactly. Exactly. And they also see um, uh, the fact that um, uh, there is the Internet, which is now a medium that people can use to transact. And uh, they see that we bring value by being able to expand their businesses, literally, to include that online component, which wasn't there before. And also, then they can focus on doing what they do best, which is buying the inventory, storing the inventory, and then being able to display them on the shelves for people to buy. Then we can, take, we can add that extra layer to their business, the extra channel to, to their business uh, without them having to worry too much about it. Okay. So is there a concern that these your partners would eventually maybe open an e-commerce platform for their shops and sell products directly to your customers. So as opposed to your customer coming to your website to order from one of the grocery stores in Lagos, the person will just go directly to the, to the grocery store's website and order the product and it will be sent, kind of like what is being done here in the U.S., where majority of the grocery stores have their own platforms and you can order from home and they just ship it to you. Yeah. Well, if that's if that's where to happen, I, I, I no, we don't worry about that at all. Okay. Um, uh, the reason why we don't worry about that is again the value that we provide is beyond goes beyond just um just um uh, buying from one store. Okay. Yeah, but consolidating different stores. Um, and also the fact that we deliver so quickly. Okay. Um. So and then also we add. A lot of we, we, our technology enables the customer to be able to reorder their basket, right? Because at the end of the day, every week you order more or less the same things for your house. You buy the same brand of milk, you buy the same brand of eggs, you buy the same um, things. And, uh, and you're able to come to supermarket, click reorder your basket, increase the number of items that you wanted versus last week, or decrease some, uh, or remove some, and then within 10 minutes you're done doing your grocery shopping. We focused on this as the value that we're providing. Okay. A store can open an online component and be able to provide a slightly different um, service to the customer. It will never be the same as what we're doing. Then the customer has to decide um, uh, what exactly they need, whether they use the store's uh, online platform or ours. But either way, we still provide a value to the customer that our partners appreciate, uh, which is why we don't worry at all about them um, uh, saying they're going to... I mean, we don't worry about that happening, basically. Okay, good. So your company is basically a value-add play as opposed to just service delivery? Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, every, every service has to add value to the customer's um, uh, lives for the customer to pay for it. And, uh, yeah, there's a value that we add, um, which is why we think customers will uh, use our service. Okay. So what would you advise a young entrepreneur just starting out or just thinking of starting out to think about and to focus on? So... If it's Nigeria in particular or any country in sub-Saharan Africa, I think there are significant differences in the socioeconomic classes that we have. 
So understand very clearly who your customer is. Go beyond the 160, 170 million people or the 900 million people on the subcontinent. Understand clearly who your customer is and define which problem of his you're solving. Then you, you, you create a solution to that problem because a solution um, uh, to the problem, the same problem for a person in the lower middle class will, of, uh, will oftentimes be different from that for the person in the upper middle class in sub-Saharan Africa. So know who clearly whose problem clearly you're solving. Once you're done doing that, then create a solution and put it in front of the customer and quickly ask the customer to pay for the service or the product that you're giving them because only then do you know if the customer appreciates it or not. I believe a customer who's not going to pay for the service today most likely will not pay for it tomorrow. Now, where tomorrow is a year from now, five years from now. So you quickly want to put the product in front of the customer and ask the customer, if you appreciate this service, then pay for it. Then you can get feedback from the true customers who are the people who are paying for the product, and then you can go from them build onto it. Then you have to persevere. I mean, I think the challenges that we face here are no different from the challenges that the people um, building Amazon.com or eBay still face. We easily look at what was working for them, and they say, oh, they had that working for them. If only I could have that working for me too, then I would be able to build this thing. I think we need to learn as Africans to start solving difficult problems. We haven't done a very good job of that, uh, but I think our generation needs to start embracing the difficult challenges that we have and solve them. I mean, other people have done them, uh, have done that, and they've built the countries that they've built. Now we like going to study in, and we like, um, uh, we like uh, traveling to for holidays and vacations, etc. What we need to do is embrace our challenges. So Lagos, for example, and Nigeria, for one, is a big market. That is a plus for us. Nobody out there... Um, uh, it's not that easy to find a, a market as big as this in Europe or as big as this somewhere in the States, uh, which is so untapped, which, which, which has the technology in people's hands that you can actually leverage to create a solution. It has its own challenges. The people need to be convinced to shop online. There are logistics challenges, moving things from one part of the city to another or moving things from one part of the country to the other. We can't always look at the challenges and say, because we have these challenges, so we are able to build this. These challenges represent the opportunity. So we just need to appreciate um, uh, the challenges and learn to solve difficult um, problems, build difficult things. I think if the Americans wanted to put a man on the moon because they chose to do so, then there should not be any reason for us not being able to build, um, uh, to put electricity in people's homes, to put clean water in people's homes, to be able to build e-commerce platforms that deliver um, in, uh, in three hours across the city, etc. We can do it. Okay. That's a very, very fantastic piece of advice. And it also ties into one thing I've been doing on the show since we launched a couple episodes ago, and which is um, I'm giving away a book to our listeners, and the title of the book is The Obstacle is the Way, The Art of Turning Trials into Triumphs by Ryan Holiday. And basically the book gathers stories from across the world of different entrepreneurs that solve difficult challenges and difficult problems and made successes out of it. It's not just um, entrepreneurs alone. We had stories about um, uh, George Washington, Ulysses S. Grant, a few boxers. And it just goes to prove the mindset of if you're going to tackle a problem, you might as well face the problem that seems insurmountable to many people because while you're solving that problem, that's probably the best way you're going to achieve fantastic and rapid success. And you just summarized it um, beautifully. So let's... Well, Raphael, let's talk about 
some of the things that inspired you to go into entrepreneurship? What were the books, you know, the software, the tapes, the messages? It's, it's been a gradual process. I realized I like starting things. I realized I like taking charge when uh, a sense of direction or leadership is needed. I realized I wanted to do, to build something that I could look back on and say, this is what I did with my life. And, and I realized I'm extremely, extremely passionate about Africa and, uh, and its people and what we can actually do with the potential that we have, both in terms of the natural resources and also the, in terms of the people and intellect, um, etc. We're hustlers. We make things happen. But we just don't make big things happen. You know, we make things happen um, uh, on a small scale. I mean, when I was... When I look back um, at, at the Ghana that I grew up in, uh, that you'd always look back, and back in the day, they used to see the people are magicians. And I think it was not just Ghana, but it was really across the subcontinent. But there wasn't much information about what was going on in other countries then. But the socioeconomic situations were not exactly um, uh, the easiest. But we were brought up to, to have decent education, to be good people, etc. We've been able to solve things at a family level. So some of these things, when I look back, inspired me. My experience living abroad, living in very, on various continents, mingling with people from different continents, made me realize that we had a we had we had a responsibility to go back home and build things. So some of these things came together. And then in terms of books, it really is just the usual stuff. Really, I mean, I'll go on TechCrunch. I spent a lot of time on TechCrunch. When I hear about a book that people recommend, I just buy it and read it. So I've read stuff like The Seven Habits of highly effective people. Um, uh, I've read stuff like the success principles. I read them all, and, uh, and I take nuggets of information from each and every one of them. So my books are heavily annotated because I really write down what I'm learning, and then I go back to what I've learned when, whenever I need to reach out for, uh, for inspiration or clarification. So that's really it. I mean, I think there's just a lot of books that I've read, and I just keep them. I can't reach out to one book and say, this is the one book. Could you give us one that you're very fond of? Uh, yeah, I do have, I have a big library. I have a massive library, to be honest. Okay. Um, so The Seven Habits, I think, is a very good book. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, I think it's a very, very good book. Okay. Um, it puts this into context. Um, uh, I read one, I can't remember who wrote it, but I think it's called The Second Bounce of the Ball. The Second Bounce of the Ball. Yes, yes. Um, uh, okay. And the um, I guess this is just on a side note, but where do you do your book shopping from in Lagos? Do you buy from Amazon in the U.S. and have shipped to you, or you shop locally? Um, so we so I, I buy a lot from Laterna Books. Um, Laterna Books is actually on Supermats. Okay. Uh, so I mean, again, when I I go online, just look around the books and see what exactly they have, and then I just pick something from there. Um, and good thing is they have quite all, most of the popular books they would have. If I need a particular book that I don't have, then I'll reach out um, and buy something from uh, the Amazon store on the iPad. Okay. But I I, um, I prefer. Um, owning the book, having a hard copy. Okay. I think nothing beats the smell of a good book. Yeah, I think I'm um, the same way too. I'd much rather have, I would buy a physical book and then I'll buy the digital copy just because if I'm commuting to work, I don't want to be worried about maybe leaving my book on the train. I just read it on my phone or something. But you're right, nothing beats the smell of a good book that you can just sit down with. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. So, um, Rafa, we've reached the end of the show. But before we go, I just want to find out if you have any final words of wisdom for someone listening to this podcast, if they're in Europe, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and they're thinking of coming to start a venture in Africa. What's what's a small piece of advice that you'd give to someone that is looking into Africa and thinking they can come and make a difference and start a venture? Well, I think I think um, there's never been a better time uh, to be doing what we're doing. Um, I think see the challenges as opportunity um, uh, because that really is what they are. Come knowing that it's going to be difficult, but it's also going to be extremely rewarding. Um, and uh, and come come on board. I mean, I think the ecosystem here is very welcoming. Um, you come very quickly, you plug in. You just have to add one, two people on Facebook. And before you realize, you know all the people, the young entrepreneurs out there, whether technology or just broad entrepreneurship from fashion to, um, to food, uh, to whatever. Um, and, and it's a small community. People are very welcoming. So if you want to do it, just come, just dive in, and then, you know, seek advice from the people who are doing it. They'll be they'll welcome you, and then you can go from there. But you're definitely welcome, and we really need people out there who want to who want to change the world. Great. Um, well, there you have it, guys. If you're thinking about changing the world, just dive in and jump right into Africa. People are very welcoming and friendly. You, all you need to do is actually go on Facebook, connect with one or two people, and you 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 meet a whole large network. Uh, Raphael, I just want to thank you for spending your time with us. I know it's um, quite early there in the morning, but um, we appreciate you coming to advise our listeners out there, and we look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future as your business continues to grow and develop, and we'd obviously like to have you back maybe, I don't know, at some other milestone, one year, or I don't know, who knows, maybe when you reach like $100 million, which might not be too too far off if people are spending $6 billion a month in grocery shopping. It's, uh, it's really going to be a delight to have you to talk about how your business has grown in the near future. Sure. So thank you very much for having me. Um, I definitely appreciate it. And, yeah, I definitely will come back. Just let me know if, when, if and when. Okay. Well, with that said, guys, um, have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Take care. Bye. And there you have it, a nice interview with Rafael Afedo talking about the successes and the challenges running an e-commerce store in Africa, one of the first of its kind initially, and then now his own online grocery business. I just want to remind everyone to check out our website, odeshi.com, that's O-D-E-S-H-I.com for the show notes. We'll link to everything Rafael has talked about today. You can also download the podcast there. If you want to leave a comment or question about anything Rafael has said, um, make sure to comment in our comments section below Rafael's page, and I'll try my best to respond to any questions directed to me, and I'll see if Rafael can make some contributions too. So with that said, guys, um, take care. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, blackberry podcast directory and just let us know what you think your likes your dislikes your you know what you what you'd have liked to hear what what worked what didn't work anything anything at all 
and your reviews and your feedback are your entries for the book giveaway, which is the uh, obstacle is the way, the timeless art of turning trials into triumph by Ryan Holiday. I'm giving out a few copies, not many. I know people have asked me how many copies I've given. I'm giving out a handful of copies. I'm not going to say how many. A handful. So one hand has five fingers. A handful. <laughs> All right, guys. And the title of the second book is Choose Yourself by James Altucher. So it's going to be great. Till next time, take care and let there be no leaks in your game, guys. You know, use the warrior mindset. Stay persistent, never give up, never quit, follow your dreams, and eventually success will come to you. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.